0: Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Adam Goymore, company director and park manager at Ra Dinosaur Adventure. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. We discussed the government support for the sector reopening plans, audience engagement, and the positive impact of reopening with brand new attractions. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual channels by searching skip the queue. Adam, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming in. As you know, these podcasts start off with little icebreaker questions, So I have prepared some new ones for you today um, that you have not been able to prepare for. So, have you ever met any of your idols?
1: Have I ever met any of my idols? Um, no. However, during the summer period, we've had a couple of celebrities visit us. Jimmy Doherty um, from Jimmy's Farm. Great. Yeah, he came with his family. He spent the whole day here. I met him. We had a few photos. Um... We also collaborate with our membership schemes, and um, it was a really good occasion because we, we get, you know, had the chance to have a chat, uh, talk about business, just talk about life, really, and he uh, asked for my number to uh, – sounds like a date, really, doesn't
0: it? Oh, it does a little bit, yeah.
1: Um, so we could uh, you know, carry on that chat that we had, which is really good. Um, the unannounced one we had was Tom Hardy himself who came to the park which was unexpected I think a lot of guys were unsure if it was him or not and we had one of our bloggers on the uh, on the park who did talk to me and say I think he's on the park but she couldn't really confirm that or not um but uh, lo and behold until he was then leaving um did we only then know that he was on the park but uh, thankfully the blogger had some pictures taken of him and we could just reshare that so
0: oh brilliant
1: oh so, yeah uh, you know I didn't get the chance well I haven't had the chance as yet in my life to meet my idol but I think those are two significant people that uh, you know were quite nice to have at the park
0: are you a little bit disappointed that you didn't get Tom Hardy's number <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That
1: would be a <laughs> cool collab if I could get him to do a dinosaur uh, video or one of those things he did on CBB's Story Time. That would have been amazing.
0: There you go. You've got a goal. You've got a goal for next <laughs> time, right? That is yeah. brilliant. I love that. What a great story. Okay, this is well. I mean, I don't know that we're going to be able to beat those answers. But uh, what is your favourite meal to cook and why? well I love
1: Italian food. But something I do cook because I rarely have a lot of time, Um, you know, being in the business, being quite active, having a few hobbies, um, have a dog as well. You know, I'm rarely at home for that long. So something I cook is quick and easy using sort of Jamie Oliver's books. Um, It's salmon, fillets, and I have gnocchi, some broccoli, and it takes 15, 20 minutes. So that's probably my go to meal.
0: Perfect. Nutritious and healthy as well, Adam.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. If you could watch only one film for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Easy question. Oh. Yeah. Jurassic Park, the original.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting anything less than that.
1: (laughs) It's a king favourite. My mum and I always used to watch it. And we used to have colouring books when I was four or five years old that we always used to do together. And it was a film I loved. So, yeah.
0: And definitely the original as well, right? It was the best it was okay so i know that you've listened to a few of these podcasts so you might have already prepared for the for the last icebreaker question that i always ask tell uh, me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on so your unpopular opinion
1: yeah i love that uh, Greg James show um rugby <laughs> is better than football
0: okay <laughs> so yeah, i always wonder what people are going to comment on on twitter when we put stuff like this out but i think that will be probably quite 50 50 Well,
1: football's a global sport, isn't it? Um, Rugby's getting there, I think, for all of the community values that rugby brings and, you know, the atmosphere you see at a rugby club. I've played it, you know, since I was about nine years old and uh, joined my local club uh, when I was living in Bannham in Norfolk, probably about from the age of 16, I think it was, and I've played there ever since. And uh, it's been a fantastic environment to make friends and, to take myself away from the working environment and, uh, you know, keep myself fit and active, really. So
0: Is that one of your hobbies still today, playing rugby? Yeah,
1: I don't play it perhaps as regularly as I used to now, but uh, I still play it fairly regularly.
0: It's a real complete contrast to your working day, isn't it? Being on the yeah. rugby field.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's still in that team environment. I love the team environment. I feed off it. So, um, yeah, it's something where I've captained um and i've been a part of the senior squad so I, I do enjoy being in that leadership role so that's another reason why i love it
0: great thank you for sharing um i hope greg james does listen to this podcast one day and knows that i've still stolen this from him but with the greatest intention because he is I'm a big fan Thanks, Greg. <laughs> oh, thank right. Adam, I really wanna there's loads of things that I want to talk to you about today. And with a lot of these podcast interviews where we're talking about future, I have to kind of go back because we, we can't not talk about what's just happened and what we're still we're still dealing with. So I wanna ask you a little bit first about how lockdown has been for you. What I saw was how very kind of open and authentic and very quite vulnerable you were throughout it actually in terms of the uh press reports and the news the news stories that we saw and I I think that's really admirable and I and, I, and it's something that I, I really admire you for I kind of just wanted to get a feel for for how you felt and what and, and what you were going through
1: I think I can start off by saying it was a roller coaster of emotions, um, particularly as a owner slash operator in the sector. Um, I photoed myself after the initial sort of onslaught of working through an unexpected close down and the implications of it. Um, it was a balancing act. You balance out the practicality and emotions of closing down your business, having 100 plus staff that you're not able to offer work to and finding yourself after I followed myself, with time on my hands, which uh, I never have had before. Uh, As I've been ingrained in the family business since I was a child, it was the first real opportunity in a family business to stop, take a step back, and look at it from a different perspective. Um, On a personal side, uh, I was exercising my dog, Millie, quite a lot. Um, Spent time with my um, girlfriend, Rosie. You know, reading, catching up with films, you know, phoning friends that I've not spoke to for a long time because I've just been so busy with work. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, however, it gave me a good deal of valuable thinking and planning time. But also as a pro- prospect of reopening loomed, there was a huge amount of planning and preparation to do for RAW that was eventually closed for 105 days. You know, Zoom meetings uh, were essential to work with managers remotely. Um, prior to returning to work at Raw also. So yeah, uh, heck and all, it was it went very quickly, and it was surprising. And you know, there was um, calls to BALPA so the British Association of Leisure, Leisure sorry, Piers Parks and Attractions, and also NAFAN, the National Farm Attractions Network. They held some twice weekly. Um, some of them were once weekly. There's also support from the council, Norfolk Chamber of Commerce, and you know, I was the representative and that was obviously after I was furloughed and I was the representative for the park. So, you know, I was being pulled left, right and centre and trying to keep everything together as well as understanding it myself in the limited time that I had. So yeah, it was full on really. It was um, going from, okay, this has just happened to having time to myself, which I've never had before, to then being pulled sort of left, right and centre to get things sorted, but I love a challenge you know I'm a young man I've, you know I'm 32 nearly 33 and I enjoy the challenge and uh you know it's all about survival but also the growth time as well so it's really important I want to come out of this um growing and all the best businesses do in the tough times so that's what you know I want us to accomplish.
0: It actually sounds incredibly positive Adam I mean I know I, I... Can completely appreciate how challenging the time was, um, you know, running my own business myself on a much smaller scale than yours. I, I know the, the kind of challenges that we had in terms of team and, and making sure that we had enough revenue and work and things like that. But actually, it sounds to me from what you've just said that it gave you quite a lot of time to reflect on where the business was and maybe positive changes that you could make when you came back
1: yeah it's um it certainly forced a lot of changes perhaps earlier than we had planned to because of the situation which i love change um i'm a you know i'm a driver with change for the better and not for the sake of change and i've enjoyed that as as another challenge really and that's the opportunity it's given and i think in life you can look at things two ways can't you you can either look at it and think poor old me or you can look at it and think look are we going to nail this or what You know, and it's then given the motivation to the leadership team around me to drive it forward.
0: Yeah, I love that. That really came across in some of the things that you were doing whilst you were locked down as well. Because one of the things that I noticed was um, how brilliantly you were engaging with your audience, even if your audience couldn't come to the venue. um, You did a lot of things like uh, there's a brilliant activity pack that you put together for kids, obviously, but I downloaded it and um you I, i mean look at the backgrounds that you've got you know your marketing team kind of went into overdrive a little bit and it was it was really super positive what was the what was the response like from your customers during that time
1: yeah um well firstly you know with the marketing team we didn't furlough them because they're our sales team they're our communication team externally and it's a backwards step if you furlough those guys and um yeah they have Really done a fantastic job, really proud of them uh, for what they've done. But yeah, I mean, with the audience in our own homes, um, what was the response like from the customers? We knew we had to keep connected with our customers and we had to look to engage with them in their homes. Um, So we brought the raw experience to them. Um, We created a number of free downloads, as you spoke about, from our coloring in dinosaurs and making face masks through to full on activity book and even a live dinosaur tour of the park. Um, The response to the activity has been fantastic. Um, We've had so many social engagements, customer survey responses and feedback in general to say how welcomed they were in such a hard time, especially with kids at home and parents looking for activities to keep them busy and something we're keen to continue to produce also that we've spoken about, especially over the winter period as well. We also partnered with the local press to provide creative competitions over a four-week period where kids and adults could both get creative and also win a free family pass to the park. We had some great entries and it's been a really successful strategy for us during the pandemic to keep the brand alive, but also to engage with our audience and ensure we're the first place they wanted to visit once we were back open. And our visitor numbers have reflected that. We plan on keeping this going as part of our marketing strategy, ensuring we're giving added value and also ensuring our customers are engaging with us even when they're not on the park, so yeah, that hopefully gives a round synopsis. And I, I did speak with my head of marketing, you know, on that question really, because you know she was the brains behind it, you know, being given the full trust and talent to get on with it. And uh, you know, she she definitely performed. She being Natalie Douglas, um, you know, rather than she. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, really proud of that. So that's something. We, we had an opportunity to try, you know, and that's what I said to the team. God, you know, we've got so much opportunity to try things. Let's see what customers do like, don't like, um, and just keep trying new things and just seeing what we can get out of it, which, you know, we have got a heck of a lot. Um, so, yeah, a real positive
0: yeah it is a lovely positive and it it's really lovely to it's really lovely to hear you actually thank your team as well i mean i I spoke to Natalie during lockdown and um I know how challenging that was for her as well. I know how much she had on her plate, so it's really nice to 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 see you give that recognition um but I think what you did was was perfect and like you say. Now that people are coming back, you've actually seen that kind of translate into visitor numbers. I want to talk to you about that in a minute. Um, yeah. But I think just going back to, you know, through lockdown, you, like I said, you were very, very open about the challenges that you were facing. And I, and I really respected that. You, you spoke out on BBC Radio Norfolk. You were in the local press quite a lot. How much of a help has that government support been for you? Because you were very, very vocal about needing help and needing support to keep the, the facility, you know, there.
1: Yeah, um, well, we're the worst-hit industry, sort of one of the first to close and last to open, and, um, yeah, we need that support. I mean, the VAT reduction from the government from 20% to 5% has been a godsend and really helped us financially, especially since we've reopened, and that ends, I think, end of January next year, and I hope that extends. We have we had MP Jerome Mayhew visit us. Um, he, he was specifically interested in looking at how we're doing and um, he was the original founder of GoApe, that also owns um, three trampoline parks. And so we had a good chat, and I said to him, look, these are the things that we need, but also explaining about what government support we had managed to achieve, because quite a lot of them, we were over the threshold, so um, that was <laughs> difficult. But the reduction for VAT for the tourist industry is something that the industry has campaigned for for many years, we pay a lot more VAT than other countries in Europe in the same industry and it always baffles me considering how many jobs we provide um, especially in the local industry and especially in Broadlands which is the council area in Norfolk and uh, being Norfolk's um, largest visitor attraction um, you know the council is certainly on board with doing what they can to help us and you know have been great through this period so, yeah, that, all the um, level of support they provided and devised with the rate support has been most useful and welcomed. Um, fortunately, the banks have not been as supportive they, as they could have been, despite all the government's best laid plans. Uh, we lost a million pounds worth of income, which is obviously significant to hit our business. Uh, we have utilised the government's loan scheme. Um, we have some concerns about the furloughing scheme stopping at the end of October and the impacts that will have on the hospitality, leisure, and tourism sector. So we hope that can continue. And I know there's been, you know, stuff in the news about it, but let's hope that they listen um, and that they do support us because, you know, I think the demand, especially in Norfolk, has been incredible. I've, I had a, a rare weekend off last weekend. And I spent time at another visitor attraction with uh, my girlfriend Rosie and her friends. And you could just see the demand is there. And we also have a holiday park. It's called Applewood Countryside Holiday Park. It's in Bannon behind the zoo, which my sister runs. And um, the demand has been exceptional, but obviously we've had to manage that as well. So, you know, that's the support we've had. Um, has it been good enough? I think it's as good as it can be. I'm not going to criticize the government. It's been an unprecedented time. They've done everything they can. I think we can always moan, but what does it achieve? Not a lot. You either need to take what you can and campaign and you know, fight for it, um, or you can moan. So we decided to say, look, this is what we've been handed and we now need to uh, look at it and resolve it. So yeah, I think it's been there or thereabouts. I just think, you know, a little bit more support from the bank would be helpful, however. But we're looking at at that at the moment with some help. So um, that will hopefully pull us through um, to ensure that our longer term plans are not affected by sales of other things. So, yeah, interesting future ahead.
0: Well, yes, it still is an interesting time, isn't it? And I guess, um, you know, it doesn't stop when the park's open that's the that's what we need to to look at so let's talk about reopening because I guess it was a really difficult place to even start to think about um because you you know you've got so many variables to think about you know the demand has been there but I guess at the time you're questioning whether it will be whether people want to come back or not you know you've got challenges operational challenges in terms of how many of your staff can you bring back and how many staff will you need how did you even start to put those plans in place
1: (laughs) Well, initially, I was going, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet. It's just absorbing information from all the different avenues you've got available to you and just listening and just watching, reading, you know, taking everything on board. Thankfully, I'm a really good or big communicator, you know, with people like in the industry. So I knew where the help was. I sought that help. I attended Zoom meetings even at seven and eight o'clock on a Friday night, every Friday night, throughout the whole lockdown period you know speaking to the council speaking to other owner operators and listening to the guidance from the government and just listening to them but the government as we know that they did what they could and we didn't get the details until very last minute and you know they're telling you you can reopen but then give you the uh, guidance like five days before or four days before and you've got to turn that around try and anticipate try and preempt what they're going to provide you so the best way to look at it was also listening to other operators in other countries. So, for example, Efteling in Holland, um, Europa Park in Germany, big family-run businesses. You know, they're just sitting behind Disneyland Paris as the uh, biggest theme parks in Europe. Um, you know, we've got I've got friends uh, in the industry all over the UK. Um, so, it's speaking to them about specifics. You know, in some of our attractions where we have a common Uh, denominator in terms of similar attractions so speaking to them we we did however still have our animal keepers at the secret animal garden at the park which is one of our attractions worked throughout as did a couple of our parks and garden staff so it wasn't like a jungle Um, we got back because we quite like to have really nice prim and proper parks and gardens because it is a massive task not only return to the park to its normal high standard of presentation but also to then really with the whole situation to understand and implement all the additional COVID-19 protection requirements. So first goal was to COVID-19 train our various managers, understand what we're up against, look at how many visitors we think we could get in the park before the guidance came out and look at how many staff can we actually operate with um, to be profitable on lesser visitors but also supplying that excellent service as best we can. And then it's also the denominating fact that they might have some staff that don't want to come back because they're scared, which is absolutely okay. And, you know, we had to have those chats with people and, you know, it took some time, but our managers were committed. Our leadership team was firmly committed and we had to collectively agree and implement COVID, you know, signage, sanitizer points, which probably cost us about six to eight grand um, PPE for the crew. Um, I worked with a company called Regency Purchasing Group. We are a fantastic group of people, um, led by Alex Demetrio, who also owns a pier, Western Super Pier. a fantastic person, very helpful. Um, his team are brilliant. So they really helped us source a lot of things that we needed. And we've worked with them for a number of years. Can't recommend them enough. Um, we had the closure of Dynamite, our indoor play. Um, Dippyville, which is another indoor soft play, Predator High Ropes initially, but thankfully it reopened, not seen after we had reopened the park. Um, and during the lockdown period, I was speaking to Innovative Leisure. Um, so Phil Pickerskill was the MD uh, for the UK side of that uh, business. And, um, you know, I was speaking to him on and off about how's that going to work? How are we going to do it? You know, what information have you got? And he collaborated with all the other high ropes Manufacturers suppliers so they they came as one and they worked together on how all these operators could open them up and they did a whole guidance document which they went through the HEC to then support us as businesses you know rather than all working individually, which is fantastic to see and you know to get hold of that early on gave us a fighting chance um, it has probably been our biggest challenge because there's only so many people who get on there and obviously it's included in our price but yet. Yeah, You know, to make it pay, we need to get a certain amount of visitors in. So we then found out how many people used the attraction because although we were counting the amount of people on there before, um, it was really interesting to see how many people went on that, but also other attractions that we didn't have to, you know, log how many people went on there in a day because it just happened and we didn't have to worry about social distancing. And, you know, we had to look at, you know, toilets in terms of that was always the biggest... Uh, yeah. conversation of any zoom meeting with balper and nafan with owner operators how the hell are we going to do this yeah and, uh, we did something different you know some people did this some people did that i had backup plans in case something didn't work um i knew the cost of those as well and we had one-way systems we had a whole new ic system in terms of getting people pre-booked onto the park and then it's working with our EPOS system, who are inundated with all of their clients, in order to get what we needed to open. So that was a challenge.
0: It's um, incredible. I mean, just hearing you talking it through. You know, we we everybody, everyone that listens to this this podcast will be it, they are in the sector, so they they do completely understand the same challenges as you. But I mean, it, it's quite epic, isn't it? When you start to go through that list of things that it's affected or that you've needed to change or review or adapt in some way, it feels it feels never ending, doesn't it?
1: It, it was a huge, enormous task. It, it was high magnitude. It was something I enjoyed doing because. I must admit, I think I've walked the, our 85-acre park now 100 times um, in terms of the, the the customer journey. So I did it on my own to start off with. I got it in my head. I had to do it, but I needed a team to help me deliver it. But I had to start somewhere and say, this is what we're going to do. So that was really exciting because it it was my chance to go, look, I'm going to lead us from the front and this is how we're going to do it, guys. And I did that on my own. It took me a full-on day, so I probably got there about eight, left about seven at night, you know, racking your brains with it. You know, then I got my health and safety advisor in. We went through it. We spent all day as well. And then we had a plan. We, we knew how we were going to do it. And obviously we had to work with the local EHO to go through all of that. And away we went. And it's just putting the plans in place, getting the staff in, you know, staging them as well. Then, you know, working on the details of how we're going to do it once we've brought the managers in because they're the ones that are going to be operating it and then it's just supporting them and being with them at every stage and uh, you know getting their teams in who's going to come in who doesn't want to come in all this sort of stuff and yeah that was really interesting and obviously risk assessments were, had to be thorough they had to be at the, like the pinnacle of everything you know without a solid foundation of a risk assessment you cannot operate. So that was also uh, something that we had to look at. Then you got the additional things that the government gave. So it's like, you know, now face coverings are required in shops. Thankfully, we'd already produced, obviously, with our great marketing team, all of our branded face coverings. Oh, of course you nice did. Life.
0: Of course you did. Dinosaur masks. That's what we all need. Dinosaur face masks.
1: <laughs> it's great, you know. And we got a few different designs, and we're the first people in the UK to really come up with them. I believe I didn't see anybody come up with them before us. And we worked with Regency again to get those made. And on the different Balper and calls, other attractions were saying, well, where do we get one of those? And I was like, here's the information, you know, go get it. Um, It's a fantastic thing. You need to make it fun. We're a fun place to go. Why be boring and be crop of the mill and have a boring face mask? You know, you're here for a day out with the family, make it fun. We don't want to scare children, obviously. So we need to have some tamer ones. Um, but for those that like him, we've also got some other ones. And then after that, we saw on Instagram, you know, that, uh, oh, Jurassic Park, they decided to start doing some. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> it all started with your park. It all started with Raw, Adam. Raw. Yeah. Park. And
1: I, I, you know, I can vouch for that because I didn't see anything on the Internet, you know, that anyone else is doing a dance or mask. So, us, you know, I think we can stand proud of that. Um, yeah.
0: I really like that. I love that, that you've injected that level of fun into something that actually could be quite, quite, quite frightening for kids, you know, if they don't really fully understand what's happening. Um, But what you've also talked quite a lot about, and it's something that we've just recorded an episode about is, is this sector cooperation, you know, the, the, the sector coming together to help each other. And I guess it has been one of those sectors that has always spoken to each other quite a lot, but it really seems like this situation has just brought out the very best in people There's been so much knowledge share between attractions um, and suppliers, and that's just wonderful to see.
1: Yeah, I I think the industry is a lovely, lovely industry. Uh, Most of us are family-run businesses with families that are running these places. Um, You know, the biggest family-run theme park, I I believe, in the UK is um, Holtons Park. So um, down in Southampton, Uh, the Mancys, fantastic uh, family a very reputable business, a good brand. And, you know, like us, we're a family-run business and, you know, we're similar age. The, the son, the owner there, James, and he's a really nice guy. We kept in touch all the time. Um, there's a whole host of other young persons, you know, similar to my age, where we meet up probably quarterly to, to chat through ideas, to talk about the industry. It's a lonely place. Um, and, it, and it's not, although it brings so much to the, to the country in terms of income and, and jobs and everything, believe it or not it's there isn't that many of us and um, it's nice to meet up and I, I really love the industry it's great
0: yeah, I bet so let's fast forward to being open. You talked earlier and you said demand has been pretty incredible what what what's it been like? what has it been like? Has it gone crazy yeah it, <laughs> it has,
1: and I think in a good way um I think it's taught the English people to love where they live. The amount of campaigns coming from Visit Britain, which has been then put down to their local DMOs, so Destination Management Organizations, so Visit Norfolk. Um, then you've got Visit Suffolk, obviously. Um, and then that goes up to Visit East of England, um, who we're working a lot more closely with Visit Britain to get the attention of the government to give us some money. We're a larger... Uh, tourism industry or area of the country than Cornwall Um, people don't know that and they should and we've got to shout about it more and more so I'm certainly um, whenever I attend visit Norfolk meetings saying we've got to do something about it and keep you know putting my voice across with that because I've been given an opportunity to have a voice which I love so you know the again a great bunch of people so yeah what's it been like since we opened uh non-stop (laughs) Non-stop, it's continued to be a roller coaster, lots of learnings, it's been busy, it's been exciting, we've managed, fortunately, um, a bit after reopening initially, officially opened two new attractions
0: Yeah. um,
1: that haven't been opened before, where we had Dippy live shows, so Dippy is our trademarked um, character, Um, so Dippy the Diplodocus. Then we've had uh, Dippy's Raceway. So we've got a specific area in the park now dedicated to Dippy. Um, He's a yellow and purple dinosaur, uh, which the kids absolutely love. Great merchandise, you know, great brand Bible based around him. And we managed to open those up. Um, We we already had some money spent on it, so it's just about putting it together. So thankfully it wasn't a huge cost, but it allowed the same amount of attractions to be open where we had to close some indoor areas. So that was a a real, real plus, a real positive, something that we were very proud to be able to do in these really hard times. Um, And it gave something for our guests to talk about and to think, Oh yeah, that's new. We got to go there.
0: No, that's a really interesting point, actually, isn't it? Because like you say, you know, you're opening up and you are competing with everybody else that's opening up. To be able to open with something that new that nobody's been able to see before, that is really it positive and really exciting. And obviously, 're going to be a, a crowd draw for you.
1: Yeah. And Dippy's Raceway, outside of Dippy's Zone, um, which is a fantastic attraction, that's been our most popular attraction, um, which tells us we are putting in the right things, you know, we're listening to our guests, we know what they like and for them to enjoy that and, you know, which clearly shows by um, the daily figures we get, knowing how many people are using those attractions, that's been a real nice plus really to to see that materialise and come to the fore really. Um, But, you know, other things, it's just been seeing guest behaviour, seeing staff behaviour, how we react in these times Um, And just seeing how we've pulled together as a team and we've had, you know, at times when we do have crew shortages, which everybody knows you get, we've had teams muck in and do other jobs, which has been really good. And that was something I set out when all the managers started. I said, look, you know, we may have to obviously all muck in, which is pretty usual, but more so than usual to ensure that, you know, the park runs smoothly for our guests. And they have, as when the needs arises, you know, arise. Um, they done just that so it's been a lot about learnings note takings reacting really quickly when we needed to constantly monitoring adapting um, and just getting things right
0: it is a lovely positive story and it's wonderful to hear that you've been kind of inundated with people coming back and so positive that you've been able to open these new these new rides and these new areas what does the next kind of six months hold for you? you you do have um you have Primeval, don't you, which is obviously big around Halloween time. What what mm. does the next kind of few months look for you in the run up to Christmas?
1: Yeah, well, number one, that'll be the reopening of our award-winning and Norfolk's largest single player, Dynamite. And <laughs> Today we had our annual roster inspection, so we know where we're up to with that and can make all the necessary repairs. We've got a cleaning company coming in next week to give it a full-blown clean um, and then we've got all the signage that's been rewrapped today, using all of our uh, trademark characters to make it really fun and immersive because we've got to have one-way systems, good ventilation, um, lower capacity numbers. So that's been a whole different ball game setting all that up. What else have we been doing? So whilst we continue to enjoy some plans, um, we've had to sort out September tickets, October tickets, um, Halloween during the day, Halloween during the night, which has been a big topic of conversation as of late. Look at Christmas, um, where we've got our plans, but we haven't completed them yet. Primeval is something uh, we've had to completely change how we do it. So we've got a dedicated team in-house that look after it. We've been chatting with the other big Halloween operators in the UK. So Tully's Farm, Stuart Beer, has the biggest Halloween attraction in the UK. So we've been chatting with him. Doug Douglas uh, from Avon Valley, near Bath. um, Tom Piercy. Uh, from York Maze and uh, a couple of others where you've got Ivor and Tom Robinson and we've just been going through the plans you know what can we expect what ideas have we got it's also the Scarecon group uh, with Michael Bolton and we're going to do it's going to be in bubbles obviously a lot lower capacity um, walk around the attractions we're going to have to eliminate some of the things where you know obviously it's not possible to have those during these times we're also creating some fun stuff around it. So that's going to be called Route 666, um, which has got some fantastic graphics, which we've done internally. We'll release tickets and we'll just have to see what happens and just see what comes up. If we have to close it, we have to close it. We know what the cost is going to be if we decide to go ahead with it and then we have to close it before we even start. You know, we're prepared to make that risk, but it's a small risk in terms of what we could make um, if it does go ahead. So. You know that's what we've got going on at the minute but obviously next year I've certainly got a lot of plans for what I want to do for the future and we've got a long-term plan which I've been doing in the meantime you know which is you know the future of the business and to make it what I want it to be so we're working on that as well so yeah they're, they're the main things at the moment.
0: good it sounds super positive positive. I'm really pleased that you've been so busy. I, I genuinely um, have been been so just really impressed with the openness of, of how you shared, you know, what you were going through during lockdown. But also, you know, it's just lovely to see how positive the reaction has been from your customers coming back. So thank you for being really open on today's podcast and sharing all that with us. Um, I always like to end the podcast by asking about a book that you would recommend. So, a book that has helped shape your career in some way, or something, one that you would recommend to us all. <laughs> uh,
1: well, as I said earlier, you know, lockdown gave me the opportunity to indulge in some reading, uh, which I've not always had the opportunity to do, or as much as I would like. You know, there's been a couple of books really that have made a real impression on me. And Simon Sinek, I, I love listening to him and reading his books. You know, there's you got the original books like Why, um, and then there's Leaders Eat Last. And I'll probably say Leaders Eat Last, to be honest. It talks all about leadership excellence. And I've got you know notes here right in front of me, which I make as I read the book because my memory is awful. So I have to write down notes and just refer back to it. And I've got a huge green board behind me on my office wall, which is basically my brain. And i just put it on there. And it talks a lot about leadership excellence, um, values. Talks about the value of empathy. You know a whole host of other things. You know the willingness to listen to your team. It's now really utilising everything that I've learned from that book and sharing it with my management team because you know they're they're a young bunch. Um, they're dedicated, enthusiastic, and you know I certainly want to invest in them. And as the leader, I want to inspire them to do more, learn more, um, and become more. And you know we've got a real opportunity here. So um, it's just working with them you know with my head of HR who's fantastic who helps me when I struggle to get my words out of the head <laughs> when we've got so much going on and you know it's working with them really and just utilize whatever I've learned from from that
0: it's a great book great recommendation I love that you've kind of turned that around and you want to empower your staff and your team to be able to use that as well well look if you would like to win a copy of that book Then, if you head over to our twitter account which is skip underscore the underscore q and you retweet this episode announcement with the comment i want adam's book then you could be in with a chance of winning it adam it's been lovely to have you on today i think it would be lovely maybe to get you back on in a year from now and find out how all of those plans have developed as well i think that would be great i'd absolutely love
1: to that'd be great
0: thanks adam
1: thank you very much
0: Thanks for listening to Skip The Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip The Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.